Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Grab your Bibles, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. First John 4, verse 19. Let me say this, um, <clears throat> there's, there's a peace in the house right now, right? And that's good stuff. I'm thrilled with that. Don't, <laughs> don't go to sleep. <laughs> I know you'd be like, oh, it's so calm in here. I'm just going to catch me. If, no, don't, don't go to sleep. Because the, the, the word that, that the Lord's laid in my heart today is so pivotal. My prayer all morning has just been, God, help me to help them get it. Because this is so pivotal for you uh, to understand. If you, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, um, you've got to understand this today. All right? So 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love each other because He, God, first loved us. We love each other because God first loved us. Lord, I pray that you would remove any barriers, uh, any lies that we've learned over the years. Uh, any barriers to our understanding what it is you want to say to us today. Lord, I pray, and Lord, I thank you for the peace and I thank you for the rest that we sense in our souls. And I pray, God, that, that we wouldn't just find ourselves uh, in green pastures and by still waters, but we would also eat at your table today that you've prepared before us. And I, I just pray that you'd help us to consume this, uh, give us spiritual hearts and minds to receive it, and I pray that you help us to know how to apply it in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, my uh, middle daughter, we have, Val and I have five kids. Uh, our middle daughter just graduated high school and uh, has moved into her, amen is right, hallelujah, uh, and, and moved into her first apartment uh, just a few miles from where she's going to be going to school. Um, the day we moved her in, she got a new TV stand for her living room. Um, now, listen, we're not talking about a fine piece of heirloom furniture. It came in a box probably from Walmart or Target or something, all right? So as her dad, it then apparently became my responsibility to put this thing together by myself. Um, Y'all ever put one of these things together? Um, these, These things are engineered to be put together in a very specific way. You can't, you shouldn't, just look at the picture and go from there. There are directions in the box that must be followed. Some of the parts have to be assembled before other parts are assembled. It has to go together in a particular way and in a particular order. It's engineered for the cams and the, and the supports and the screws to lock this thing in place as it begins to come together. If you just eyeball it, you're going to have extra parts. (laughs) You're going to miss something. And even if you can make it look right, when you put the weight on it, it's not going to hold up over time, 
right? So we've been in a series called the Love of God series, and we've been exploring just how important the love of God is in becoming disciples of Jesus. It's not that anyone really denies that the love of God is a part of Christianity. It's just that I'm not sure we've put all the pieces together in the right order. Love is not just an add-on piece that you throw on at the end. Love is not an accessory. Love is an absolute necessary and foundational piece of the discipleship puzzle. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to understand the love of God and how it works together. The scripture we just read makes it very clear that God is the source of love. But if love starts with God, where does it go from there? So today I want to discuss the flow of love. The flow of love. Love originates in God, but it is designed to flow downstream in one particular direction. Some things have to come before other things. Get love out of order, and it throws everything off in your spiritual life. It it might look okay from the outside, but it won't support the weight of the storms of life that always come, or the persecution of our faith, or the spiritual warfare, or the weariness that threatens every disciple of Jesus. So we've got to get this right. So today, let's talk about the flow of love. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 22. We keep circling back to this, but it's, it's, uh, it's important. Uh, the teacher, he's talking to Jesus, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, it wasn't an honest question. He was actually trying to trap Jesus, but Jesus ignored all of those uh, ulterior motives, and he gave him the straight answer. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the passage not only establishes love as foundational to pleasing and following Jesus, it also lays out the order in which it should happen. We've already established that love comes from God first, but notice that our opening scripture from 1 John breaks it down even further. It actually happens in two parts. We can only love God or anybody else because God first loved us. It's cause and effect. God's love for us comes first. It's the absolute foundation for everything else. And then because of God's love, we can love him as completely and as sacrificially and as obediently as we possibly can. So there's the first part. We love God because he loves us. And then Jesus gives the second command, love others as you love yourself. Well, that's a two-parter as well. You have to love yourself first in order to establish the pattern and the depth to which we should love others. We have to accept the love of God to the extent that we understand and believe what he said about us, that we are loved, that we are forgiven, that we are worthy, that we are part of his family, that we are joint heirs with Jesus, that nobody in this universe is more valuable to God than we are, that nobody also is less valuable to God than we are, that our self-worth is rooted in the value that God places on us in that he would send 
his only begotten son to die for us. That's an incredible price because he places an incredible value on us. You have to establish that in your life. So when you look in the mirror, you, you, you have to see that when you look at yourself. You, you have to treat your life like it means something because it does mean something to God and should mean something to you. That's what Jeff said last week in his testimony. And didn't he do an incredible job sharing his story last week? Jeff, uh, Jeff told us last week he didn't see himself as having any value. He didn't see himself as worthy. He didn't understand the love of God, only the laws of God. He never saw himself as worthy. I can't tell you how many believers are stuck right here. Probably a whole bunch of us right here in this room are stuck right here about this valuing and finding worth in, in ourselves. So, so let, me, let me say it this way. You aren't worthy of God's love. You're worthy by God's love. You aren't worthy of his love. You're worthy by or because of his love. His love makes you worthy. Does that make any sense? God loved us first. That made it possible for us to love him back. But it's also his love for us that makes it possible for us to love ourselves and find our worth and our value in him. The love has to flow from God and it has to flow in that order. Now, this is hard for most people because we've been trained to believe that worth and value are somehow earned. If we're, so if we're really good at something, then we're valuable. If we're pretty or handsome or strong or talented, then we have value. If we can behave and follow all the rules, then we're valued. If we can get other people to pay attention to us, or applaud us, or give us large paychecks, then we have value. We think that life, the life we live determines the love he gives, but that's not how that works. He loved you since before he created you. As a matter of fact, he created you because he loved you. He didn't wait to see how you were going to turn out before he decided. He chose to love you before he ever made you in the first place. That's why no matter what you look like, no matter what you've been through, no matter whether you're famous or infamous or so boring nobody even notices you, whether, you've, uh, whether you're acclaimed by the world or ignored by the world, you can rest in the assurance that God loves you and that you have divine worth that can never be taken away and never diminished. Think about it this way. Somewhere across this country this week, they printed brand new $100 bills. Please don't check the seats under you. you there's not one in each of your seats. Calm down. Uh, let's say that one of those bills, those $100 bills, goes to someone who takes it and frames it and hangs it on a wall. That means you don't need money if you just make art out of a $100 bill. And another bill starts a journey that will, that will take it through the hands of 26 different people. Can you imagine being <laughs> currency in America? Uh, the, one guy dropped it in the mud. 
one lady put it in her sweaty shoe as she worked out. Uh, One person wadded it up and shoved it in a pocket and forgot about it for two months. Another person may have done a line of cocaine with it. And on and on through all 26 people. You wonder why we're not doing cash anymore, right? Uh, if, If both of those bills showed up at the grocery store a year later, which one of them would buy more groceries? Well, you'd get $100 worth with either one of them, wouldn't you? How's that possible? Because the value of that bill doesn't come from what happened to it since it was printed. Its value is inherent from a power greater than itself. There's nothing you can do to that $100 bill to make that thing worth less than $100. And no matter how privileged and protected that other $100 bill was in its frame, it's still only worth $100. Listen, stop counting up all the negative things that have happened to you and subtracting them from the value you started with. You're still worth exactly what God said you were worth when he created you, even before you were born. You are worth the life of God's own son. That's how valuable you are. That's how you can love yourself, because it's not about you, it's about him. And then once you love yourself... Once you understand that your own worth comes from God's love, then you realize that that God loves everybody in the same way he loves you. That makes it possible to do the last thing that Jesus said we have to do, and that's love other people. Now you realize that your love for them isn't based on how you feel about them. It's based on how God feels about them. You don't love them because you feel some way towards them. You love them because God loves them. You don't have to wait on them to earn love because you have never been able to earn his love either. So let's look at the flow. Let's look at how the flow of love works. All right? It starts with, it starts with loving God. And then it goes to loving yourself. Then it goes to loving others. It has to flow in that direction. That's what a relationship with Jesus looks like. That's how you follow Jesus. But religion won't teach you that. Religion gets the flow wrong. You might have learned, you might have learned a different flow at church where you grew up, either stated or implied. That's what, that's what so many people have been trying, but it hasn't worked. Let me show you what the, what the wrong way looks like. All right, you, you love others, and then you love God, and then you forget yourself. Here's the idea. Jesus said, this is, what, this is what religion will teach you. Jesus said to love others, so you better start being nice. How many times does somebody tell you, be nice? <laughs> Stop it. Be nice. Right? So, cause G, why? Because Jesus said be nice. So go be nice. Right? And then if you get really good at being nice to people, God might actually start loving you because love has to be earned. And then if God starts to love you, you might be able to love him back. But don't even think about loving yourself because that's selfish. 
Y'all ever heard some, someone or, or believe something sort of like that? You see how out of order that is scripturally? Our opening scripture said, we have the ability to love because he loved us first. You can't love others or yourself until you love God and receive his love for you. That has to be the foundation of everything. His love starts to change how you see yourself and how you see other people. And then when you love God and you have a healthy, godly love for yourself and other people, then it doesn't just change your beliefs about people. It changes your behavior towards people. It can only flow in one direction and from one source. Is this making sense, y'all? Y'all are really, I told you not to go to sleep. And yet here you are, quiet as a mouse. If you, if you do it the wrong way, it's not going to bear up under the weight of real life. Your own limitations will get in the way of ever growing very much as a disciple. You'll get stuck on the hamster wheel. Y'all ever watched a hamster on a wheel? You should. Pretty entertaining. Not for him, it's just for you. All right. So you, you think you're doing it right for a minute. See his little feet? That's hamster feet. It's not American Sign Language, but that's hamster feet. You, you think you're doing it right for a minute. You think you're making progress. And then what happens? You ever seen the little, little joker gets like halfway up? And he's like, yes. And then what happens? No. It, the ground slides back under you. And, and you're right back where you started. And, and you're thinking that God loves you less because of your failure to make progress. That's not how God intended it to be. It's not what the book says. That's not the flow of love that he established. Let's look at it again. Here's the real one, the right one. You love God, you love yourself in a godly way, and you love others. Now, with that as the foundation, I want us to pivot back to really one of the places that this whole series started. That's Ephesians chapter 3. And I think this is going to help us understand how his love impacts our lives as believers. Ephesians 3, verse 16, remember Paul was praying over the church. He said, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he'll empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how long and how wide and how high and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever. Amen. Powerful. It's talking about the power of love in a person's life, the impact that it has, the incredible transformation that takes place in a person's life because of God's love. Then look at the very next verse that starts in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, I, as a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling because you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults 
Because of what? Your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. What did that verse start with? Therefore. That word is a reference to what came immediately before it. So what's it referring to? What, what he's saying is because of the mighty power of love that's operating in your life, live a life that's worthy of the call of God on you. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this flow. Now, love is moving from your thoughts and your attitudes now into your actions. You love God. You love yourself. You love others. Because you love people, because you love others, it changes the way you behave towards them. This love stuff is not philosophical. It's not hypothetical. It's real. It's practical. It's a life-altering kind of love. Paul says, be humble, be gentle, be patient, stay united, bound together with peace. You say, John, that sounds hard. I don't know if I can do that. I'm not really a loving person by nature. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. When, you're, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, guess what? You got a brand new nature. Didn't he say old things are passed away? All things have become brand new. You can because you got a new nature. Now you're operating in the mighty power of love that the Holy Spirit puts in your heart. So not only can you do what God calls you to do, but you can do it exceedingly, abundantly, above everything that you can ask or think. You, you have no idea what you're capable of when God's love flows through everything that you are and everything that you do and everything that you think. It's the power of love. He said our roots should run deep into the love of God because that's the source of our power for holiness and obedience. It's not up to us, it's up to Him and it will happen if we stay in the flow of love. Let me show it to you in another passage, John 15. John 15, verse 5, Jesus says this, Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anybody who doesn't remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have, how many times have you read that? At, if, I've heard so many people frustrated in their walk with the Lord because they're intimidated by Him and they don't feel like they're living up to His standard. I mean, look at what the verse says. You've got to stay connected. You've got to remain. Don't even know what that means, but I've got to do it. Right? I've got to produce fruit. Not just a little fruit, but much fruit. That's a lot of pressure. What does that even mean? How does that even work? Well, let's keep reading. John 15, verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. So remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I've told you these things so you'll be filled with joy. Uh, with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other the same way I loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. 
Now you're my friends since I told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. It's about love. Remaining in Christ is about staying in his love. What's, what's flowing through the vine is love because the vine is Jesus. And that's who Jesus is. Obeying Jesus is about staying in his love. We've been taught this backwards gospel of earning God's love through obedience. That's not how that works. That's not how love flows. Religious people try to get believers, new believers, to produce fruit before they get them connected to the root. And that's a problem. You can't expect people to be changed until they get settled into the love of God. That's what does all the work. It's the love of God. Or let me put it this way. You have to be defined by love before you can be refined by love. You have to be defined by love before you can be refined by it. You get defined by the love of Christ, and then your actions and your attitudes can get refined to look more and more like Christ. It'll always be a strain and a struggle and a pressure until you get really clear about how love flows. Receiving God's love, loving God back, loving yourself, and then loving others. It does not work any other way. Here's what religious people don't seem to get. Love doesn't come from obedience. Obedience comes from love. Love doesn't come from obedience. Obedience comes from love. The Pharisees are proof that obedience doesn't lead to love. Because they kept the law as perfectly as anybody could, at least on the outside, but they had no love in their hearts for Christ or anybody else for that matter. Look at any slave in history. Did they obey? Sure they did. Did it make them fall in love with their masters? No. No. That's why Jesus said in that passage, I don't want slaves. I want friends. Obedience doesn't create love. But love does create obedience. Jesus said in John 14, it's part of the same conversation, if you love me, keep my commandments. You obey because you love. Think about it this way. There are things that Valerie likes and things that Valerie does not like. Just like everybody else in the world, right? Not, not weird, not different, just like everybody else. <laughs> She's waiting to hear what I'm going to say next. <laughs> I love you so much. Uh, over the last 31 years of our marriage, I have tried to learn what she likes so I can do more of that. And learn what she does not like so I can eliminate those things. Why? Self-preservation. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. All those things. No, really, for real. Why do, why do I do, why have I changed some of the things that I've done? Because I love her. I love her. I love her and I want her happy. I want to please her. Some of the things that she hates, I actually enjoy. But I'm happy to give those things up because my love for her is greater than my desire to do those things. Please don't miss that. I'm happy to give up things that she hates 
because I love her more than I love the things. Think of those things as obstacles to intimacy. The more of those things that I remove, the closer we get. And the best parts of marriage are from the intimacy, not from the independence. It's not from, I'll do it because I'm a grown man. I'll do it because I don't care if you're... All this ridiculous stuff that we say. The best parts come from the intimacy, not the independence. That's the essence of holy living when you follow Jesus. It's not about what I give up. It's about what I gain when I prioritize the relationship. The benefits of the intimacy with Christ far outweighs the loss of whatever activity or attitude that was. I pray for somebody, uh, Corey, come on, man. I, I pray for somebody recently who was battling against the urges of addiction. That's a struggle. It's hard. And when I, when I was praying for him, I said, Lord, help him fall more in love with you than he ever was with what he was addicted to. We keep working the wrong end of the equation. We keep telling people, if you'll stop sinning, you'll fall in love with Jesus. That's not just scripturally backwards. It's impossibly difficult on, on people. It's just not how it works. God's love doesn't flow that way. Loving Jesus comes first. <laughs> Am I preaching in Greek? Are you all okay? If we'll, get, if we'll get people in the presence of Jesus, if we'll teach them to worship why do you think God keeps interrupting our worship to say, are you really worshiping? Would you come to me, please? Would you eliminate all the barriers and just come to me? If we'll teach people to worship. If we'll teach people to learn about him in the word. If we'll, te if we'll teach them to learn about him and not just learn the scriptures. If we'll, learn, if we'll teach them to love his presence and to love his power, then all those lesser things will fall away. What is it we've been singing for like four decades? Turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of earth grow strangely dim. The more we know him, the more we love him, the more we want to be with him, the more you want to please him, and the more you want to do the things that, that deepen the relationship. It's the same way with how we treat others. When you love other people the way you love yourself, when you see other people as worthy by God's love, then you don't lie to them, you don't cheat them, you don't steal from them, you don't gossip about them, you don't judge them, you don't do any of those things because you realize God loves them just like he loves you. Does that make sense? So stay in the flow of God's love. Love God, love yourself, love other people, and then you can live your life worthy of the call that God's placed in your life as one of his children it's impossible on your own disconnected from the vine but it is possible to do these things when we stay in him but it all flows from the source now here's here's what I want to do for the altar call we're going to we're going to pray and just so don't think we're not going to do an altar call we're going to, we're going to pray and you can pray about anything you want to pray about okay so if you've got a decision to make, you've got a, a, a thing in your body going on that you need healing from, you, whatever the deal is, you, you can come and pray. And, we're, and we'll be, be glad to pray with you. 
but in response to the message today. I can't help but believe there are lots of people here who struggle with loving themselves. Struggle with being worthy by the love of God. Separate from being worthy of the love of God. And I want to encourage you to commit yourself. And if, you, if you're a note taker, then, then grab something to write on or, or, or type it in your phone or whatever. Um, but I want you to uh, commit to making these declarations, these confessions out loud every day for a month. Okay? So, John, that's weird. You trying to brainwash us? Well, kind of. Uh, Ephesians says that the, the, the Word of God is like water that washes. So I do want to wash your brain. I want to wash away the lies that the enemy has taught you or that religion has taught you. And I want, to, I want it to be replaced with the truth of the Word of God. So here's what I want you to say over yourself. I want you to be able to look in the mirror and don't look away and say, I'm loved. I'm loved by God. I'm accepted. I'm worthy. I'm part of God's family. No one is more valuable to God than I am. I want to say them again. I am loved by God. I am forgiven. I am accepted. I am worthy. I'm part of God's family. No one is more valuable to God than I am. I want you to be able to say that, looking in the mirror, say it out loud, because you need to hear yourself say those things. Because you've been lying to yourself for all these rest of these years, you need to hear yourself tell you the truth. You say, John, why is that the truth? Because that's what the Word says. If you are a follower of Jesus, if, you're, if, you have, if you've been, if you've repented of your sins and you've surrendered your life to Jesus, then you are loved and accepted and forgiven and worthy and part of God's family. Now, His love has nothing to do with your repentance. He loves you whether you ever repent or not. But if you're going to be forgiven, you're going to be accepted into the family of God, that's the path. You surrender your life to Jesus. I also think that there are some people here who, like me, were raised um, in, in backwards religious environments where you had to discipline yourself to change your behavior, hoping that at some point God will begin to love you. I want you to stop thinking that way. Stop straining over the sin in your life. Stop straining over the anger, the addiction, all the stuff, whatever you might be struggling with. And I want you to shift your entire focus for the next 30 days. Shift your entire focus, not on isolating which sins are worse in your life at this point. I want you for the next 30 days to shift your focus just on receiving God's love for yourself and on loving Him back. And just ask you to ask Him to help you love people. Ask Him to help you love yourself and love people. Okay? Y'all stand with me, please. They're going to sing a song, um, and the altar will be open. You, you come pray about this. You come begin to make those confessions. Hey, y'all, will you put the, I can't believe you got those down that fast, Robbie. Thank you, buddy. Will you put those, that list back up, those confessions? Just put them back up so that people can, if you're sitting here, standing here, you want to come to the altar, you want to stay in your, in your seat, sit in your chair, whatever. You can start making those confessions right now. All right? Whatever it is God's tugging on your heart about, then I want you to do that today. Father, thank you for your word, and I thank you that you love us and that your love makes everything else possible. 
And I pray that you would draw us to yourself, help us to have this, or get a, a clearer revelation of your love and how it affects our lives. Lord, whatever's going on in people's lives that, that they need to come to this altar and pray about, Lord, I pray that you draw them here because I know when you draw them here, you're going to meet them here. And I thank you that you hear us when we pray. Change us, Lord, by your love. In Jesus' name. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.